following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. College football week four edition. And we've got the Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, Brad Powers, college football specialist. To my left, Ken Thompson, college football specialist. I'm R.J. Bell. What a show. What a show. We've got Brad versus the world. It's Brad on one side and Ken Thompson on the other. And in another game, Brad on one side, the Associated Press on the other. We got the trend game of the week. We got two coaches on the hot seat. We got two pros versus Joes. I'm usually with the pros. We've got one sharp play. We got one crossfire where our experts argue with passion We've got our biggest bet game of the week. This has the most action. We have one double like game and two best bets. Yes, that much action in the next hour. Let's quickly talk about the idea of the like. So I've been thinking, how do we convey that Ken or Brad has an opinion on a game, but they're not necessarily betting it or sometimes they're betting the game. So I thought... Let's be candid, uh, an embarrassing amount of time on this. And we've come up with the idea of a lean or like. You either lean on a game, which is less, right? Only a lean, or you really, or you like a game, which means you may be betting it. They might have bet it already. They may be betting it. And then we've got our best bet. So what's nice is we got two best bets and we got one double like game, which is going to be, I think, of great interest. First, though, Let's start with Brad versus the world. And Ken, you're going to be the one who starts out disagreeing with him. Which team, and Brad does his power ratings every week up at pregame.com, which team do you disagree with the most? Well, the team that I look at that I don't think should be uh, in the top 11 is Michigan. I just think this is a very overrated team. I've gone against them the last two weeks. I've made good money on both Cincinnati and Air Force. And it's a team to me that really lacks offense. Very fortunate they played a Florida team, again, that was missing their two top offensive players in the opener and got the win. And because they did it in dramatic fashion and they won big, I think the public perception, because they beat a top SEC team in Florida, that right away that Michigan was back where they needed to be under Harbaugh. Yeah, I agree with the following is you've got to reevaluate Florida, it would seem, uh, especially that offense. Okay, so Brad, where do you have Michigan? Number 11 in the country. All right, so has Ken convinced you? Are you going to reevaluate? Well, uh, he makes one good point, and, and I brought this of up. Of all his points, uh, uh, there was one good one. Well, the Fox so National, so. So yeah, I need. The, the Fox National <laughs> show, we kind of broke this down last weekend on Saturday, that the Michigan offense is indeed overrated, benefiting from four special teams and defensive touchdowns. Take them away, they're only averaging 23 points per game. With that being said, this is a very inexperienced team that I think is going to improve as the season goes along. And I think they had a couple of big home favorite roles where maybe they weren't looking to embarrass the opponent. RJ mentioned that who wants to embarrass a service academy, especially with everything that's going around in the world these days. I'm definitely going to keep them there at number 11. I'm, in fact, you know, lower on them than some people in the marketplace. Okay, so here's the – well, we know 
we always talk about Vegas like it's the ultimate authority. And I think it is, but we have to understand that Vegas has bias in it. And in a way, that's if Vegas was always right, how could you ever lay 11 to 10, right? You couldn't win. Now, winning's hard, but some people can win, right? We got them around the table. And to me, it's a situation that do we think that maybe the marketplace is on Michigan for some of those biases, which is love excuse me, love of Harbaugh, et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't mean you're wrong, but I think if the marketplace likes him even more than you, doesn't prove you're right either because I think some of that is some some uh, premium on such a marquee team. Yeah, and we've seen that the last two years. They have gotten more money in future the futures market as far as winning a national title, betting over their season win total, betting to win the Big Ten championship more than almost any other team in the country. In fact, two years ago, they were getting more money than even an Alabama or Ohio State. So I agree with you that you're, the marketplace, you're paying a premium on Michigan because of the hardball factor. Let's segue into the game. We've got, and we'll start with Ken on this one, we got Michigan favored by 10 points at Purdue. Yeah, and initially it was 11, and uh, that, I thought that was a nice number. And I thought, actually, that it would go up just based on public perception, again, still lingering from that opening Florida game. But I think now people are understanding that they went against two offenses in Cincinnati and Air Force, and then you go back to the game one against Florida. These are three offenses that really aren't that strong. And for Michigan to struggle, especially two of those games being at the big house, I really think that you know this team's got to find some answers. They've got to find that game-breaking guy, somebody that's going to set them up that they're going to be able to go to time and time again because when they get in to Big Ten play, I think this team is going to take it on the chin several times, and I think Michigan's going to lose three or four games by the time it's all said and done. In fact, I picked them to go eight and four. So I like Purdue. I think David Blau is you know is is doing what he needs to do. And Jeff Brom has stepped in. And again, this is kind of like where he steps in and he's supposed to stop the bleeding. They lose their top receiver. They bring back a good, solid quarterback. And I see this team within three, four years being back in the top five of the Big Ten like they were under Joe Tiller. Now, here's the question, Brad. If Ken, and I'm not saying he would be, but if he were willing to bet, give you an over-under of three and a half losses. Now, are you talking about bowl games? Big no, no, no. I'm just talking about regular the 12 season. regular season games. If it, What would you be willing to lay on the under three and a half losses? Under three and a half losses willing to lay? Would you lay minus 200? Uh, under three and a half? Yeah, I mean, I'd back up the pickup truck and bet him on that three and a half I'd losses. Even I would, bet, would you bet sure. it at minus 200? I would bet it at minus 200. That, that Michigan would go over. They'd go over. They would uh, obviously go They'd nine. Lose three, less, they would less than three, less and, a half than three and a half losses. So he's saying he'd lay minus 200 against your number. Well, well they, they have nine games left, and basically they'd have to go five and four for him to get a push. So, oh, no, no, he would, win. Three and he a half. would win at five and three and a half. Yeah, um, it'd be because, again, their schedule's favoring, you know. Uh, yeah, see, that's you what know what I love about being around batters, right? Right, right. Is we always can figure it out. But I think your point is well taken. You've got a lean, not a like, but a lean on Purdue. Brad, I lean Michigan, and I think Purdue's start, and keep in mind, I'm a power ratings guy. I have Purdue power rated up from the preseason more than any other team in the country. All right, that's interesting. So let's think about this. You came in the season. You had them power rated. There's been a handful of games. Some teams have been upgraded. Some have been downgraded. 
No team upgraded more than Purdue. No question. No, just one sentence. Why? What did, why? What surprised you? Well, all, across the board, there I'm vast improvements. I thought they would be a little bit better on offense. They're vastly better on offense. The big surprise has been on the defensive side of the ball where they've struggled lately. Jeff Brom's not known as a defensive guy, but yet last week in a total that was sitting in the 70s, they're holding Missouri to three points on the SEC road. That's been vastly exceeding my expectations, the Purdue defense. Okay, lean on Michigan, and even though Purdue is a team that you have upgraded significantly, uh, what's other than is it just you just think Michigan's underrated, or what is it that makes you lean Michigan? Well, I think Purdue's hot start. I mean, when you're beating Missouri thirty-five to three, so you're not only have you upgraded them, you think the market has equally. I think they've over-adjusted Purdue after last week's dominating win, and I think their hot start. In a game that maybe Michigan might have overlooked coming into the season, they're not overlooking Purdue now. This is uh, one of the bigger games of the weekend that people are actually talking about. And I like that Michigan's coming off of a couple of teams where they didn't have to give an A performance to win. Brad, what would you have made that line at the beginning of the year? Coming into this year, even though you know him, bra, I mean, I'd have had Michigan probably a 20-and-a-half point favorite. That's exact. I'd have put it at 20 or 21. That's exactly where I would have put it. Ooh, interesting. Okay, big adjustment there. By the way, you mentioned big bat game. Second biggest bat game. We'll be talking about the biggest later in the show. And also, and this is as of Tuesday afternoon here in Las Vegas. Also, what's interesting, you guys on opposite sides, but we have a crossfire game coming up where you both like, not lean, like different sides. The crossfire. I love that's my favorite. I used to watch that on CNN when I was a youngster. Okay. Let's move on. Our next, so this is part or game two of Brad versus the world. This time, this is Brad versus the Associated Press. Now, listen, be nice to the AP. Pregame is the official odds provider for the Associated Press, 750 newspapers nationwide that we're in, it, including the USA Today. In this game, it's NC State and Florida State. And you have a different opinion on NC State. Yeah, after their loss to South Carolina in the opener, this is a team that was getting top 25 love. Everyone threw them in the trash. Uh, what, what is your opinion on NC State? My opinion on NC State is I think they're underrated. Now, I have them right around borderline top 25, number 27 in my current ratings. They're nowhere to be found. Everyone's forgotten about them because of that opening season loss. It was a misleading game where they outgained South Carolina by 200-some yards. You know, the last couple of weeks, they've been meandering through a couple of soft opponents. I think they have this game circled. They blew this game, a late lead last year to Florida State. And the, another reason why I like it, Florida State's been sitting there. So so just to be clear then, yeah. is we'll get to the game in a moment. Right. Why do you think NC State's underrated? Well, I mean, it's a team that, you know, I vastly experienced. 16 returning starters coming in, a couple of uh, NFL defensive ends. And no one knows that? Well, I, I mean, they do. But do you think NC State, hey, they have a couple of first-round possible draft picks on the defensive line? People aren't looking. When you're evaluating a team in the preseason, RJ, you're not looking at the guys on the defensive line. You're looking at skill position talent. So I think that was an overlooked position group. So is that a general approach to finding value? Is finding teams that are rock, rock solid at the non-skill positions? I'll, I'll use one major one. Clemson was overlooked because they lost skill position talent. But their offense and defensive line coming into the season, I thought were among the best in the country, even better than last year's national title team. So people, again, they get enthralled with the running backs, the quarterbacks, and the wide receiver position. I like playing on teams. So at you least had through. NC State more highly rated 
than the market entering the season also. Yeah, I had them borderline top 20 team entering the, so the marketplace. Down, so you've downgraded them. I've, well, I had to after, I mean, a loss to South Carolina is a touchdown favorite. They haven't covered the last couple of games. They've been within one possession of covering. So I think that's getting them a little bit overlooked. People are going to see, hey, they're 0-3 against the number. But the reality is they're, they're one play away in each game from being 3-0 and against the spread. Okay, so we're going to get your pick on this game in a moment. First, though, Ken, so it's NC State. Florida State's at home. Florida State favored by 13. Yeah, here's the thing. Florida State, again, because you have games that are canceled, you have time to rest. And then when you find out who you're going to finally be playing against, they find out they're going to be at home against NC State. They're able to focus in on that one opponent. So Florida Look, State was off last week? Yeah. And I mean, that's an advantage. Oh, because another advantage. way to look at it for, is for me, worrying about the family, all the, all the stuff in Florida. Because they were banged up from the opening game against Bama, I think that any rest for a team like Florida State where – I think, you know, when they're going against NC State, you're throwing five-star recruits and four-star recruits at the least against the top that NC State has. NC State may have a few four-star recruits. The rest of those are three-star recruits, and that's it. That's it. They're, now you're going to Tallahassee. You've struggled against Furman. You've struggled in, in, in your second game as well. You're right. They dominated yardage-wise against South Carolina. Still found a way to lose that game, the opener, but probably should have won if they didn't turn the ball over. But against Marshall, they struggled. Very fortunate just to cover a second-half play. Uh, Marshall actually ended the game on the four-yard line there. Could have made that a, a you know a double-digit, 10-point spread instead of 17. I know because I had NC State second half, and they were able to hold him out of the end zone and get a cover. But I, I look at Ryan Finley. His stats are not great. This is a guy that I thought was going to be able to, you know, at, at least beat up on a Furman team. That's an FCS school, and he didn't do that. He only threw for 240 yards last week. So I'm not impressed. You're going to go to Tallahassee. You're going to be under duress with five and four star athletes coming at you all day. They're stronger than you, depth wise in every position. I think Florida State wears them down, beats them by 17 to 20 points. All right, 13 point spread. We've got Aileen. Lean from Ken Thompson on Florida State. So, Brad, you think NC State's underrated. Doesn't mean always, because we talk about it all the time, is to be a handicapper, to be a professional batter or a good batter, you've got to be able to hold multiple points of view in your mind at the same time, and that is a sign of intellect. Who do you like in this one? Well, I like NC State. and he, I'm So gonna... no reason to hold multiple points. Underrated, and you like them or lean on them? Uh, you know what? I'm at the current number of thirteen. The fact that the line's coming up, I can start to being talked into liking NC State. All right. So and do you like them or do you I, have a lean? I'm going to go in a position of liking NC State. Ooh, and, stop it! Because well, in in the pre-production meeting, you only lean. So Ken, I always love the idea that one of my experts can talk the other off their position because that means they're open-minded somehow your presentation yeah. made him like the other side more. exactly well you know here, here's what he's leaning towards he's leaning towards james blackman getting his first start uh, at quarterback with deandre deandre francois being out and, and i can totally understand that but all of a sudden when blackman has done a couple great things in the first half he's going to sit back and go god that guy's better than i thought he was all right so two questions about this game that you like now with nc state plus 13 one is the week off. How do you handicap that with the weather and everything? And number two, the quarterback situation. Because you came out right after the injury was announced with the Florida State quarterback out for extended period. Six to seven point downgrade for Florida State. Yeah, and I, it's not one week off. It's two weeks off. So, yep. I, I, you know, here's the thing. Yes, they would have liked having a week off after the physical game against Alabama. But now I think they would have liked to have their inexperienced true freshman quarterback get a game under his belt. Not against Miami. Did. Not against an arch rival yeah. Miami. 
I get that, mm, but there's a thing as too much rest. Now you're playing a team playing their fourth game. You're only playing your second, and you got a true freshman making his first start. You mentioned the four and five star recruits. Well, this true freshman quarterback that's making his first start isn't a four or five star recruit. Wasn't even highly regarded for Florida State. Only a three star guy. He's six five, one eighty five, one ninety, going up against that defensive line for NC State. NC State's underrated. Florida State too much rest. NC State almost pulled the outright upset last year. They'll be confident that they can play with Florida State. Give me the Wolfpack. I like them, not lean with them. Like them. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, that wasn't even the crossfire, guys. Next up, though, <laughs> we're going with our trend game of the week. Now, Brad puts out a lot of nice trends, puts out his power ratings. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brad Powers 7, the number 7. This is Florida, Kentucky, and there's an amazing trend in this one. Yeah, Florida's got the nation's longest series winning streak active. Over Kentucky, they have won 30 straight games straight up over Kentucky, and they dominated against the spread at least the last 10 meetings, nine and one against the number. So that's about as strong as a series trend as you can get. All right, Ken, your pick on this game, and this is right now Florida. There's been a line move towards Kentucky, open four down to three. Florida on the road. You know what? I'm going to say the streak comes to an end. I was not impressed with Florida in the swamp. Very fortunate to get that win again. The uh, you know, the Frank's long pass. I mean, Tennessee, what are you doing? But, you know, I was fortunate because I did play Florida. So I got lucky there. And I also paid attention to Kentucky because I did have South Carolina. And uh, I was on the wrong end of that. And that's not why I'm picking Kentucky. I think Mark Stoops, as I go back, he's had some of the best recruiting classes that Kentucky's had in a long time. And he's done that in successive years. And then I looked and I thought maybe things passed him by last year. But he's got enough back this year. And although they struggled in their first two games to just get outright wins, and one of them was against an FCS club in state, Eastern Kentucky, and they took a while to get going, waited till the fourth quarter. I really like the way that they focused in last week against South Carolina and took care of business and got the W in the SEC opener. I think it's huge. And I think that they see, you know what, there's teams that are moving from the bottom echelon, teams like Vandy and, and others that are moving on up. And maybe it's time for the changing of the guard with some of these teams. And if you're ever going to get Florida, this is the time to get them when they still have Scarlett and Callaway suspended. And I think these indefinite suspensions right now could linger on for several weeks. And I think Lexington's going to be just Jumping big time, I think Kentucky is there to take the upset. Okay, so Ken, with a lean, a lean on Kentucky, Brad, your take. Yeah, I like Kentucky here. And let me first give props to R.J. Bell from last week's show. I gave out a best bet on here on South Carolina. But you walked me through the psychology because you kind of have an inside knowledge of Mark Stoops. And you told me, hey, you know, because they didn't look impressive the first two weeks of the season. You thought, hey, he'll be able to get the troops up for a bigger game, and that was exactly the case. Playing possum the first two weeks, very impressive performance at South Carolina. But I think this is the game they've circled all offseason. They've been wanting to get Florida to end that streak. They're getting Florida off a big emotional win. Hail Mary touchdown pass that the whole country's talking about. Give me Kentucky plus the points, and I like it enough that I agree with Ken. Maybe a little bit of money line as well on Kentucky to pull the outright upset. A little sprinkle, sprinkle, as they say. Um, you know, again, listen, you can have whatever take on psychology. And if you win 55%, you're a professional, right? So, but I would say this, and this is, I think a macro point and can you follow the coaches as closely as anyone? Really? I think if you're in an elite conference in your first time head coach, it's very important that you're used to coaching at that level. So Mark Stoops, 
coached for many years at Miami of Florida as D-backs coach. And he was actually the D-backs coach against Ohio State the, the, the year in Arizona with the uh, pass interference call. <laughs> so was not happy after that one. And I was at that game celebrating. Uh, now, <laughs> as a Buckeye, um, also spent multiple years with uh, Florida State. Yep. So when he, when you come in, now imagine someone who's in a, a lesser conference and they come in and they don't know what their team's supposed to look like, right? Because if you've been on a you know top 10 team as a coach, you know what that physically looks like. So my sense is, I don't know how well Stoops is going to do ultimately at Kentucky, but he's going to know how to play against the Floridas of the world. He might be there yet, or he might not be there yet, might be there as a three-point home dog, not quite there yet, it would seem. But in general, I think almost like a Mike Tomlin, a lot, very emotion-driven, I think, Kentucky, which means they can have some letdown spots too. All right, this is the dream preview. I'm RJ Bell. We've got the wise guy roundtable, Ken Thompson, Brad Powers. We just did our trend game of the week. Now, we like to tell stories, right? Sports is a story. And part of it is who's favored and who's the underdog, David and Goliath, as some would say. And to me, I like to each week find slightly different storylines we want to talk about. And in this one, we've got two coaches on the hot seat game where the spreads aren't all that big. But if one of these teams lose, it's a problem for that coach. Ken, we're going to start with you. Arkansas, Texas A&M. A&M coach on the hot seat. Line opened up three A&M favorite down to two and a half. Yeah, and A&M really put it together in the second half. And they were fortunate because Davis, the quarterback for UL Lafayette, got banged up near the end of the first half. And Lafayette led that game. But A&M just put it to him. And Mon played a really solid second half and really heady game. And I just like the way A&M came at it. The fans, you could see, they were kind of thinking maybe the writing's on the wall that someone would be fired after that game. And I have no doubt that if they lost that game in College Station to UL Lafayette, a Sunbelt team, that at the end of that game, he would have been canned. He would have been on, but they found a way to dominate the second half, put some distance, not only get the second half cover, get the cover overall, and, and really uh, just play probably their best half of football and uh, outside of maybe the first half against UCLA. So I think this team, you know, will get it together. Austin Allen, to me, is a good, solid quarterback for Arkansas, but they don't have the weapons. And it all started during the preseason when they lost Raleigh Williams, who was going to be their starting running back and a guy that went over 1,000 yards last year. He had the neck problems, had to walk away from football. And this team, to me, just doesn't have any blue chippers as far as game breakers that they had a couple years ago when Brandon Allen, Austin's brother, was quarterbacking. So I think Arkansas up against it to score. They struggled against TCU, only put up seven points in Fayetteville, and I think they're going to have trouble scoring in this game as well. I think A&M's going to win this game by double digits. And you've got a lean. A lean. So double digits, but you're only leaning? Well, it's a strong lean. It's a strong lean. Strong I, I, I like them, you know, 10, 11 points. I think they're, they're right Maybe in Maybe Brad would have went first. Because he actually leans Arkansas. You might have been convinced to go with a like. All right, give it to us, bro. Well, I, I like the situation uh, for Arkansas coming off a bye. I think if you talk about games that uh, teams circle in the offseason, this would be one of them. They lost four straight to Texas A&M, three of them in the final seconds in excruciating fashion. And I just think a lot of times the law of averages where any one of those a different play in any of those games, and Arkansas wins three of the last four in the series. And we talked about coaches on the hot seat. Bielema losing at home to 
TCU 28-7. He can't afford to lose five straight to A&M, especially against a guy that is perceived to be on the hottest seat in America right now. So you think the Arkansas coach is on the hot seat, too? Brad Bielema is just as much on the hot seat. Wow. Disappointing performance last season. They underachieved, particularly blowing three touchdown leads in each of their last two games. That's not a good look coming in the offseason. So, uh, again, a lean on this one uh, on Arkansas to win the game outright. Okay, so... We got a disagreement there, but both leans, leans, not likes. Next hot seat, two of two, hot seat game, Notre Dame, favored by four and a half at Michigan State. Ken? Well, I'll tell you what, if Wimbush can run the way that he did the second half against Boston College, I mean, maybe they can take care of business against Michigan State. But I think Sparty and D'Antonio, they'll be ready for this game. It's a home game. You know, I mean, it's still a rivalry game. It's still Notre Dame-Michigan State. And uh, Sparty, after the season they had last year, every game is meaningful to that fan base right now as they try to turn the corner and get back to at least, you know, 500 or maybe better this year. They can go a game or two over 500. If they could go 7-5, and five, it'll be a successful campaign for Michigan State. For Brian Kelly, that's not good enough, especially after getting in the national title game just a few years ago. So after 4-8 and eight last year, he's under more pressure to be at least 9-5. And three and so I think a lot of pressure on Notre Dame and I think BC really had a nice defensive game but they just wore down and they just don't have a good solid offense they can run the ball okay but they really have trouble putting the ball on the money I think Lurkey will be able to uh, get the ball to his receivers uh, more so than BC was able to do that and I think the crowd will be into it even more so than BC's crowd because Notre Dame still brings a lot of fans up there in the Boston area and I, I look I know they're right there not too far away from Michigan State but Sparty's going to be there in big numbers I I just have a feeling Michigan State's going to win this game outright. Okay, so Ken, with a lean, though, a lean on Michigan State. Brett? I like Michigan State. And if there's any program in the country that plays with a chip on their shoulder in the underdog role, it's Michigan State. Numbers to back it up, 15-3 and three against the spread, last 18 as an underdog. Even more impressively, out of those 15 ATS covers, how about 12 outright upsets in the underdog role? And on the flip side, there's no team in America that handles – you know, does not handle the pressure of a tight game, at least in the last two years, than Notre Dame. Last six times they've been a single-digit favorite. Forget the spread. They've lost all six of those games outright. So if it's a tight game, which I expect, I think Michigan State with a chip on their shoulder, off a bye with the home crowd behind them, Notre Dame back-to-back road uh, uh, traveling on the road off a physical game against Georgia, a physical game last week, a misleading final last week, a one-point game middle of the third quarter turned into a blowout. I just not. I just don't like Michigan State. I bet Michigan State. Ooh, so he likes them. And he took off the rubber band. And I will say this: that I will play Michigan State now because I respect Brad because he is a Notre Dame fan, and he talked about it in the game when Notre Dame was hosting Georgia. How much he liked Georgia, and I bet Georgia. I bet him on the money line. They came through, so I'm going to follow his lead again because he knows his team pretty well. Good stuff. All right, next up we got two. Pros versus Joes. So professionals on one side, recreational batters on the other. Now, how do we ascertain that? Well, some of it is we're in Vegas, baby, and we have a lot of connections. But even if you're not in Vegas, you can go to pregame.com, click the Game Center, and go to the Consensus tab. We have three tabs. Overview, which gives you a little bit of everything. The Odds tab, which is a bunch of odds and different books, and then the consensus. Now, what's the consensus? In the consensus, we've got the ticket count on each game and the cash count. No other site 
in the world has the cash count for free. And what you can look at is the cash and the tickets and then look at the line move. So what do we have in our first pros versus Joes? Alabama, Vanderbilt. Line opened up Alabama by 19 and a half. It's down to 18 and a half. Okay. Sounds like there's a lot of money on Vanderbilt. Well, no, 93% of the cash on Alabama, 83% of the tickets on Alabama. So what's happening is the line's going one way, all the action's coming the other. Well, what you could feel pretty confident of is the action on Vanderbilt is some of the biggest and most respected. It's not even about always about amount of money. It's about faces. Certain guy comes in, he's been beating this sports book for years. He makes a bet on Vanderbilt. They take that very seriously. So, Brad, we're going to start with you on this one. Is who do you, it's Alabama right now, 18 and a half. Are you with the pros or the Joes? I'm going to be with the Joes in this one. First, let me clarify I understand the line move. Pure power ratings number on the line for this game is 18 and a half. So, I'm happy with my power ratings on this one. But psychologically, I like Alabama for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're coming off a couple of opponents in Fresno State and Colorado State where they didn't have to give an A performance to get a comfortable win in both of those. Number two is Vanderbilt's outright upset over Kansas State. Props to Ken Thompson, who had that and cashed that as his best bet last week. That gets the attention of Alabama, where they might have overlooked Vanderbilt. Now they see a 3-0 and team. And this is a 3:30 CBS game, so it's a lot bigger game than what many expected, at least coming into the season. And then finally, maybe a hidden factor, despite playing in the same conference, Alabama hasn't traveled to Nashville since 2007. So I think the Alabama crowd loads up. Wouldn't be a bit surprised. They've been watching Vanderbilt football the last 20 years. It might be a 50-50 crowd. So do not award Vanderbilt full home field advantage in this one. Give me the Crimson Tide minus a point. So the rationale is because Alabama hasn't been to this locale the fans are going to be more inclined to want to go? They're going to want to go because it's a unique trip. And let's face it, Nashville is one of the better cities in the South. I would love to go to Nashville. I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I'm a country music fan. But if I'm going to do a road trip, I haven't been, you know, as far as a visiting fan base, haven't been there no, in 10 years, sense. a great city. All right. So, Ken, we allow our experts to have one pass a week. So you're firing your pass on this one. Give us the one factor, though, that you think Brad didn't mention in this game. Well, you know what, here's, here's the reason I'm passing it is because I, I feel that there's an upside for Vandy that they haven't had before. And that's an offense that can throw the ball, can run the ball, although they only ran for 70 some odd yards last week against Kansas State. So if you have trouble running against Kansas State and I respect their defense, you're going to have a lot of trouble running against Alabama's defense, no doubt about it. Now, Shermer has been really solid as far as throwing the football around uh, the first three games. His quarterback rating is very high and it was a very slu- you know, sluggish game for both teams on offense. It was 7-7 early, but then it was 7-7 you know, with five minutes to go in the game and Vandy he got that key touchdown, and then they kept K-State out of the end zone. Uh, you know, to me, it's a game I'll stay away because I think it's right around the number. I think Bama probably is up somewhere in the neighborhood of 23, 24 points and wouldn't surprise me if Vandy got a backdoor touchdown. So there's just better games on the board, but there's no doubt to me that Alabama's defense will dictate tempo. And again, Jalen Hurts, if he threw the ball well for Alabama – I think Bama would route him. But because he's so inconsistent, wouldn't shock me a tip pass and interception, something that gives Vandy some momentum to kind of keep him hanging around for a while, at least around the number. Good stuff. So just to recap then, pass from Ken, good insight though, and a lean, lean only on Bama from Brad. Second, pros versus Joes. 
I wonder who you're going to be on, Brad, here. Oregon has 76% of the cash, 78% of the tickets. Now, this is as of Tuesday afternoon. The line has gone from 17 Oregon favored to 16. So vast majority of the money in tickets, line moving the other way. So that means pros. And again, this is not a science, but it's right a vast or a good majority of the time, I'd say. Oregon is going to have then the Joes, Arizona State, the pros. Where are you going? I'm on the pros with this particular one, and I'm on the pros heavy with this one. I like Arizona State. So not a lean, a like. A like. And a, a, I'll break it down at the end. I really like Arizona State. But first off, if you're looking, if you're wondering, hey, when's the last time Arizona State has been a home underdog this big? Yeah, go back to the famous 2005 USC Bush, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart team that was number one in the country. So an outlier line here. A lot of times I like to play on a team that's perceived to be thrown in the trash. I don't get why Arizona State's being thrown in the trash right now. All right, they failed to cover against New Mexico State. Well, New Mexico State's proven to be a pretty good football team, and that was misleading because New Mexico State scored a couple of touchdowns late. Second game, they lost outright to San Diego State. A lot of people, oh, Arizona State's garbage. What did San Diego State do last week? They beat Stanford, so okay, that loss isn't so bad. And then last week, in a horrible spot for Arizona State, Texas Tech has revenge, is off a bye, is at home. Arizona State goes in there. It's a shootout like many expect. Lose by seven, the game pushes. So I don't get the huge downgrade on Arizona State. I've slightly upgraded Oregon. Huge difference between my power rings and this one. I think the line should be 10. So when you get a huge difference like that, not only do I like Arizona State, I have bet Arizona State. Okay, good stuff. And remember, power ratings, as you know, starting point, there's travel, there's injuries, there's technical stuff. But you're right, when you're off that much, chances are you're going to find value. Strong like Arizona State. Ken, you're going on the total on this baby. Yeah, of course. And it's gone down a point. Started at 76, went down to 75 last I checked. I think you're going to. 76 and 75. Isn't that crazy? But you you know when you say that, and at halftime, when this game's 27-24 or somewhere in that neighborhood, and they got 50 points between them, again, I respect where Brad's coming from. And, yes, I was impressed the way Arizona State didn't get blown out by Kingsbury's boys, that they were – uh, tough enough to put up 45 points in a 52-45 loss. And he's right. New Mexico State scored on the last play of the game, and they scored a touchdown with about four and a half minutes to go. I know because I had them second half. They ended up covering that second half uh, at Arizona State. And then San Diego State, uh, Rashad Penny, I mean, he's the Mountain West Player of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week, three weeks in a row. This San Diego State team is legit. Why? Because they may have somebody better than Donnell Pumphrey, who now holds the rushing, rushing record. I liken this guy, Penny, more to Marshall Falk back in the San Diego State days. So, again understand where he's coming from, but I like the way Oregon opens it up. I like the way Herbert's throwing the ball. I uh, Royce Freeman's running with reckless abandon, had 151 yards, and also a nice 50-yard catch out of the backfield. They have so many offensive weapons, and they don't play much defense. They have trouble stopping you. Look, Nebraska went up and down the field on them out of Austin Stadium in the second half. Actually shut them out, but it, like Brad said last week, not that Oregon didn't have opportunities to score in that second half. They had many. They just made too many mistakes. I think this game, both teams are going to score. I think this game's going to come closer to 100 than 75. Woo, woo dog. Uh, any, Brad, you do a ton of totals, and amongst your premium picks, uh, probably half totals? Yeah, half totals. And, and many believe the market is softer with totals. Any, any lean on the total here? Oh, there's no way uh, to go other than go to over here. Uh, I'm worried about that. I'm from the old school. I've always thought go over the smallest numbers and under the biggest numbers. Now, 
It's a different era, though. Yes, it, it is. I think that still applies in the NFL. In college, though, I think it's almost the opposite, RJ, and I'll have to back that up with some trends. But I, no, I, you're right because yeah. I think what ends up happening is there's and not not that I'm a physicist or anything, but there's like an amplification effect. You can't really mathematically account for the fact if both teams are taking like 15 seconds of possession because they're throwing every yeah. time and getting first downs when they complete and rushing up to the line, you almost it's almost hard to account yep. for that in the old school algorithm that would try to project scores. Yep. All right. Now, boy, you would think these guys are done, but there's so much to go. Uh, we've got one of my favorites. In fact, let's get to it right now. We got the cross fire. This is the two deep minds of college football when it comes to uh, in my opinion, two of the deepest, quite frankly. And they just have a plain old disagreement in this game. So I have a new thing because I like to feel special is I get to pick who goes first. Well, I get to pick who gets to decide if they want to go first or not. Right. So far, you know, let me see. Kim's pretty, you know, I'm going Brad. I'm going Brad. Ken has had great info. I think he's added 10% too much. So there's too much. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. And I'm so I'm in a way that's the best way to be graded harshly, I guess. It's too much good information. But so far, I'm going with Brad. Brad, you want to go first or last in this? No, I'll go first. I'll lead it off. <laughs> and here's why I like Iowa in the game. Number one, Iowa. So we didn't mention the game. Right. It's Penn State, Iowa. And right now, Penn State favored by 12 and a half. And I'm going to take the home underdog here. And that's one of my number one factors is. Iowa, as a home underdog, has been very profitable the last 11 years. Small sample size, but 7-3-1 against the number. Everyone remembers last year. All right, so let's talk about that. Yep. What's the psychology? The psychology is... Because 7-3-1 is not close to statistical significance, so now we need logic in addition to the numbers. Here's why it's significant. They're not a home underdog very often, so they feel disrespected when they are in the home underdog role. It happens about one time a year. And they usually play up to the level of the competition when they're in that unique role. So that's a little bit of the psychology. Well, I think the trend, not as strong as some of the other ones I mentioned on the show today, but I think it's still redeemable in, the, in this particular game. Does Iowa play, what percentage of their home games are night games? Not very many. I would say this one one's or, a 730 Eastern start. Yeah, only one or two, two a, a year max. Now, we know the old LSU and all that stuff, but does, does that give the crowd more energy you think well i think uh you gotta night games especially when they're rare you gotta give at least maybe a half a point and anytime i'll pounce on a half a point in the marketplace if i don't think it's being priced accordingly okay so uh any other main point we're gonna go back and forth a little bit yeah well i think penn state's a little bit overrated now when i got go back and look at the pittsburgh game uh the main reason why i liked pittsburgh against oklahoma state is they played penn state very well and outplayed Penn State in much regard. So when I see the following week, Oklahoma State, who's also perceived by many to be a top 10 team, absolutely annihilate Pittsburgh, then I start getting questions about Penn State. And again, who have they played? They played Akron and Georgia State. Okay, they blew both of them out, got the cover. Now you're on the road at night, your first road game of the entire season against an Iowa team that knows they can play up to the level of competition. Most of the players from last year's uh, Michigan upset are still in the program. And I like Iowa has a passing game a little bit more this year than what I expected. So I, I like Iowa plus the points. I think Penn State's overrated. So it's a like, not a, it's more than a lean, a like. 
And just to be clear on one thing, and we're going to go to Ken, the other side of the crossfire is Penn State's ATS record. They had a, was it 11 and 0 streak or 10 and 0? 10 and 0 streak. And then one and one since? One and one since. All right. So 11 so and one. 11 and Still one. Still very strong. So I think a lot of people remember that, right? Because that's. No, nope. two, two and one. They covered against Akron and Georgia State. Yeah, but the the uh, ten games in a row uh, was dating back to last season, including the first game of the season. Okay, so did he, did he one and one their last two okay, games. Uh, all right, so Ken, you actually like so this is like versus like mm-hmm. Penn State. Yeah, and here's the thing. I mean, I understand what he's saying, and, and we both watched the Oklahoma State Pittsburgh game as well. We were both on Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh had an opportunity early on in the game to get a safety. Guy got out to the Mason Rudolph was able to stick the ball out, get to the half yard yard line, and then on a third and eleven from the two and a half yard line, they ran around the end, got a first down. Another time that they threw a touchdown pass, Rudolph did. He was three or four guys had a chance to sack him. Look, games get out of hand, and so final scores are misleading because there are scores and big plays that break a team's back and Oklahoma State did that now look they poured it on and it's a great offense it's a better offense than I thought it was but Mason Rudolph is one of those five quarterbacks in the country that I would want leading my team trying to get into the national title the only team that I think gets by with an adequate passer because of their defense being so strong as Alabama. Jalen Hurts is not a great passer. He's not somebody I want throwing the ball, but he's good enough. And because they have so many weapons, that makes him good. Here's Iowa. Kinnick Stadium, yes, I give that's a good, solid home field advantage. I had them against Michigan last year. Nathan Stanley's not a bad quarterback. Wadley's banged up. He's their leading rusher. Only ran for 24 yards last week on eight carries. And then Butler, their second leading rusher, he's out for this game. So they had a couple other guys step in, including Young, that are adequate as well. And if they're able to run on Penn State... Hands down, you're going to win the game. You're going to cover. There's no doubt because they're going to extend drives. I don't think they're going to be able to run against Penn State. And I think McSorley is going to have enough time against a very slow secondary of Iowa to exploit them. And he's got a major advantage at tight end with Gasicki, six foot seven. This kid's going to be open all day. And then he's got Hamilton and these other guys on the outside that have a speed advantage. I think Penn State's going to start out. It's going to be kind of feel each other out. I think Penn State probably up by three to seven at halftime. I think second half, they get it together. They wear them down. They take care of business. They pull away. They win by 17 to 24 points in this one. Okay, we got the crossfire. All right, so let's start. Brad, attack, take one of his points that you most disagree with. Well, I disagree with the fact that uh, you, you look at Penn State and you said if Iowa can be able to run, I think they will be able to run on Penn State because I saw Pittsburgh with inadequate quarterback play be able to move the football against this Penn State defense. Don't be. Were they? Was Pittsburgh running? Uh, Pittsburgh was just moving up and down the field. They had twenty-four first downs, three hundred and fifty yards. A Pittsburgh offense that you know lost their offense corner, lost their their top player in James Conner. So if that team can move on Penn State, I think an Iowa team that has, in my opinion, been upgraded for me. I didn't expect much from the Iowa offense this year, particularly in the past game. You had a quarterback throw for 400 yards against Iowa State. That was, I thought, an upgrade as far as I'm concerned. I didn't expect them to to do that. I thought Iowa State would win the game. Uh, I think they'll be able to move the football against Penn State. And I think that the market's overreacting to a couple of shutout losses against two nobodies in Akron and Georgia State. And here's the the thing with Iowa State. Iowa State made Iowa uh, their offensive production go up. Why? Because Iowa had to play from behind. They were down 10 points with, you know, seven minutes to go in the game. So they were forced to come out of their shell and not just run the football. They had to throw the ball. They were able to run Iowa State. Look, their defense is okay, but it's nothing like Penn State's defense. And when you have Miller and you have Marcus Allen, two very dominant players on that defense, 
Nathan Stanley is going to be in a lot of trouble all day. And I just think the speed factor is going to be a major difference. And then there's just too many weapons. I haven't even mentioned Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley has a chance to run for 150 yards on this Iowa defense. Maybe not early because that'll keep the crowd at Kinnick Stadium in the game because Iowa may shut him down, force him to a few punts. But after that, I think Penn State's offensive line wears down the front four of Iowa and with the passes and mixing it up, and it's going to be totally mixed up like they did against Pittsburgh, only the numbers are going to be higher because Iowa's defense is much slower, especially secondary-wise, than Pittsburgh's defense. The crossfire. Love it, love it. Now, this game had an interesting little sidelight. So on Fox Sports Radio, so guys, Friday night and Saturday night, 330 stations, coast-to-coast, Sirius Channel 83, iHeartRadio app. It's straight out of Vegas. R.J. Bell, Brad Powers, Steve Fezzik. We actually take sound from Ken in this show on there, and it's something that Fezzik was on Saturday night, which is from 10 Pacific to midnight Pacific, and Friday night is 11 Pacific to midnight. So we have the extra early hour on Saturday. Fezzik made an interesting point, Brad. He said Penn State won, they covered, but when you're early in the year, you've got to reevaluate the early weeks every week because teams show themselves to be different than they thought. And he said once we saw Pitt, which covered against Penn State, broke that streak, once we saw how Pitt played in Okie State, by Fezzik's assessment, could have won by 70. Like they took the pedal off the gas. He ended up downgrading Penn State off a cover. So you exceed expectations, but because of reassessing prior weeks, he downgraded Penn State. Nothing else about this game, but specifically, do you agree with that logic? Uh, I do overall. Did I agree with it in that particular case? Not, you know, I, I treat each individual game for the most part in its itself, and I didn't do anything to Penn State's power rating. Okay. But I do- so you didn't upgrade him. I did not upgrade them. No, Even I just kept them the same. So I guess in a roundabout a way, effect, yeah. a roundabout way, maybe I did consider that. R- RJ, all I'll ask Fezzik to do is watch North Texas at Iowa last week and tell me if he doesn't downgrade Iowa. <laughs> Boy, he is on this one. That's why it's the crossfire. Heat it up. I got to get the old crossfire music going. Okay. Um, now we've got the biggest bet game, and then we've got four bets that you probably are the four strongest. It's the sharpest play of the week from the wise guys. We've got the one double like and the two best bets coming up after the biggest bet game. First though, I want to pitch something Brad did is part of that straight out of Vegas Fox national show is we took 30 or so minutes on Saturday night, which was the rapid fire recap of the Saturday action. And I put that up as a podcast. It's gotten real good reviews so far. You can get that on my Twitter at RJ in Vegas right now, because as I say, if you don't learn from the past, you're doomed to repeat its mistakes. Did I make that up just now or have you heard that before? Yeah, I think I've heard it before. Yeah, maybe. maybe not said. So I don't think it's trade. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's trademark. All right. Let's go with the biggest bet game. Now, this kind of says and Colin Cowherd's been talking about it. I mean, why doesn't college football get together with the schedule makers and, f- and have like one, at least one premier game a week. So the biggest bet game is not even close. And again, up at pregame.com, you can see the number of bets on each game is TCU. Oklahoma state is the biggest bet game. Wow. 
Well, I mean, I mentioned this and Fez disagree with me. Uh, Oklahoma State has become football sexy after that blowout win against Pittsburgh last week. Everyone loves so, offense. So let's get the handicap yep. here. We got Okie State 11 at home against TCU. Yeah, and I'm going to lean with Oklahoma State. I'm not going up against them after I got my teeth kicked down my throat last week going up against Oklahoma State. And the reason I like them is I thought last week's game could have been even far more significant as far as the blowout loss than it than it actually was. So, so back to Fezzik's idea that yeah. even winning as big as they did, they took the foot off the gas. Okie State did. 49 points and 400 yards passing in the first half, and he only had maybe 75 yards passing. They only had 10 points in the second half. So clear them, let, you know, letting the foot off the gas. And cutter. Rudolph didn't play the fourth quarter. They're starting quarterback. Hmm. Wow. I mean, that is domination. So I do want to clarify one thing. If you are an amateur batter and you lose against batting against a team or on a team, you're really disinclined to bat them, uh, do the same thing the next week. If you do somehow do it and you lose again, oh, man, is it tough the third week. Now, Brad said, I got my teeth kicked in. I don't want to go back for any more of that. Almost like Mr. T. I got a lot of more. I got a lot of more. Is <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah. I wonder if it was yeah. in the script like that. Got a lot of I more. I don't think so. <laughs> is <laughs> Rocky three is that to me is smart. If the result causes you to say, I don't have a good handle on this team, but let's say you bet an underdog. There's, you know, six point underdog games tight at the end, late touchdown, you lose and you were minus two in turnovers. Now you should be thinking opportunity. Because now the market, everyone that bet the other side feels good. Everyone that bet this team, some of them are amateurs not willing to get beat again by the same team. So keep in mind is you shouldn't be, oh, I can't, you know, I don't want to lose again with the same team or by fading the same team. But if you feel like that that result caused you to reevaluate your handicap, it's best to take a step back and watch and figure out where you were wrong and reevaluate. Okay, so... To wrap, Brad, your position is uh, lean Okie State. Uh, you didn't, I don't think you said one thing about TCU. Give me. Yeah, some. well, I think TCU's vastly improved this year, especially on the defense side of the ball. But they're off a misleading win themselves last week against SMU, down nineteen to seven in the second quarter. Run up a forty nine ten run there. Now, is so, that necessarily misleading? Just because you're losing at some point in the game? Well, when you're a three touchdown favorite and you're losing by twelve points, I mean, to that me, means you played a bad quarter. Well, bad quarter and a half when mm -hmm. it's considered to be a minor rivalry for you. I thought, you know, I downgraded well, TCU because I expected TCU. Did they cover ultimately? Uh, depending on what line you got. Open 18. So they, so they met expectation. Yeah. But because at a certain point in the game they were losing, I don't, I don't get that. Because it seems like the opposite. If anything, it's harder. Like if somehow you get down, and I'm just talking hypothetically yeah. now and you're able to come back and meet expectation, it seems like that might even be worth more than if the ball bounced a couple uh, your way a couple times early and then you just cruise. Because well, I've heard that. I've heard people say, oh, the underdog didn't cover, but you know, a couple bounces early, and this is my voice of not me talking. Well, that line it. went up early, and, and most people that I know covered that game if you had SMU. Yeah, they but either way, up, if it was close, right. if yeah. it was close, it means they pretty much met at, you know, got right to expectation. Why? And again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to understand the logic. Like, did was there something about that game 
that that that, that you felt like that some of those scores late were fraudulent? Or well, no, SMU got a little sloppy. They went away a little bit from their game plan. So which is going to be building that big number, right? Is there? Yeah, a it was. Game? It was a seven point game at Fort Worth after three quarters. So I agree with them. I I really thought. You know, SMU did what they needed to do. And I think TCU, you know, Kenny Hill put up gaudy numbers, but they did. They got a late touchdown. They outscored him 21-7 in the fourth quarter. But this is a game that they should have, you know, blown out SMU, according to their fan base and, uh, you know, the experts. I I just don't. And, Ken, I'm going to get your whole opinion on this game. But if the what was the line? uh, 18 and a half up to 22 and a half. I think it closed. Uh, And how much did they win by? 20. So if you fall right in the middle of the opening and the close, it means you met expectation. The fact that you scored more in the fourth quarter than the first, I'm not sure. And this is something we'll explore as the season goes on. Now, if some of those points were fraud, like a pick six when they were down late, then maybe a different story. So, Ken, you're handicap. Well, that's the thing with uh – you, you, you're talking about this game, Oklahoma State. And yeah, TCU. so Okie State favored by 11. Yeah, Okie State is just, uh, I, and I knew they were good, but I, I didn't know they were this good. And so I looked at the mistakes that Pittsburgh made early on defensively to where maybe they could have had some momentum. And then it got to where, you know what, Pittsburgh just couldn't stop them even if they wanted to. That's how good Mason Rudolph was. That's how many weapons there were. And I talked to my buddy Joe Lisi, and I said, yeah, but where the heck is McCleskey? I've been hearing about McCleskey in Washington preseason, and this guy's got five catches for 38 yards for the year. I opened my mouth. McCleskey had five receptions for 176 and three touchdowns. He broke out of his shell. When Rudolph has time like he did against Pittsburgh to pass that ball, Forget it. They're just about unbeatable because then that run, when you're looking past, it's almost like you remember Edron James and Dominic Rhodes. Were they great running backs? No, not with any other team but the Colts. Why? Because we looked to pay for Peyton Manning to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. So when Edron James got the ball, he got eight yards before anybody touched him because they're looking for that, you know, that pass first. Same thing with Okie State. When Rudolph gets going, you're looking past. That opens things up for Justice Hill and these running backs, and that makes his team diverse and they are solid, and their offensive line goes seven, eight deep, RJ. I mean, there are seven, eight deep at that offensive line position, so they have depth if somebody goes down. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam one, Bedlam two, and RJ, I looked at this, and it's crazy, because the Big 12 has been shut out of the playoff, but there's an opportunity for the Big 12 to possibly get two teams in, and here's how it works, because they have that championship game, that if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play a very tough Bedlam game, which is not the last game of the year, and then meet again in the Big 12 championship and the other team wins by a field goal, say they lose by the field goal the first one and they win by... If you have some of these other teams outside of the SEC that lose and and you have two lost teams from the Pac-12, the Big 10, and the ACC, which doesn't look that strong like it did preseason-wise, all of a sudden Oklahoma and Oklahoma State could both find themselves in the playoff. Does that mean that the Okie States of the world and the Oklahomas of the world are worried about style points? Winning, you know, and again, when you're only laying 11, it's, you know, not as important. It's like when you're laying 21. I, I, I think you, when you're in the Big 12, because you've been shut out before, I think every single game matters. And by how much you win, you don't even take it for granted. You just keep going. I mean, they had enough by over Pittsburgh to make it look like, wow, we, there's nothing more they could have done. Like you said, they could have played Mason Rudolph fourth quarter instead of Cornelius, and they probably could have won by another two touchdowns. But I think the point was already made in that game. In this game against the TCU, Gary Patterson athletic so team. So on, on this game, you've got 
So, Brad, you're leaning Okie State. You've actually, you like. I, lo- I like Oklahoma State. I just don't think TCU's defense, I mean, you give up 36 to SMU. I don't think you're going to be able to stop Okie State, especially in Stillwater. Okay, guys, four games left. This is the Dream Preview. I'm RJ Bell. That was just Ken Thompson and Brad Powers. We got the four most actionable games left. The sharp pick, the double like, and two best bets. Let's get straight to it. Now, how do we do the sharp pick? Well, right now, if you, uh, or as of taping here Tuesday afternoon, is we're looking at Duke, North Carolina. 95% of the cash on North Carolina, but only 65% of the tickets. So this is a sign of big, big money on North Carolina. And we always find that interesting and checking around, uh, sharp side here for sure. So our sharp game amongst the big TV games, and we're reviewing other than our best bet, the dozen biggest TV games and biggest bet games, North Carolina. Let's see what the boys think. Brad right now, Carolina two and a half point home underdog. And I lean with North Carolina. So I agree with the bigger money here. And I think something finally clicked for North Carolina last week in their easy cover, a blowout win at old dominion, which a lot of people uh, we're liking Old Dominion in that game. Uh, North Carolina's losses to Louisville, you know, not pretty respectable. And the opening season loss to California looks a lot better. The fact that California now is 3-0. and So I think they're getting a little bit mispriced in the marketplace because people remember them losing as a two-touchdown favorite in the opener to California. So they're a little bit underpriced there. And I think it's also... You know, you're normally, as far as football goes, now they're evenly matched in basketball, but football, you are the bigger brother to Duke. And last year you lost outright as a double-digit favorite on the road to Duke, and now you're an underdog to this team. I think you're playing with a little at bit home. of chip. At home? Exactly. And I think getting – my line on the game is pick them, so I'm going to take advantage of that two-and-a-half points there. Give me North Carolina plus points. Lean. Now, before we get to Ken on this game, you mentioned Louisville. Now, obviously Louisville got annihilated – Last week, we talked about it on our recap show. Again, I recommend that highly on Fox National, and we got the podcast out now, is we think Louisville, when they physically are equal or superior, Lamar Jackson's the difference maker, and this is a very dangerous team. And other than a letdown, you know, maybe this week, we're looking to play on them when they're laying the 17s and the 22s because I think Redemption and Lamar Jackson and the stats he loves and a sense he's still in the Heisman, though I don't think he really is. So even though they got embarrassed, if you're not physically superior to Louisville, playing them is a tough game, right? Yeah. So that hasn't changed just because they got embarrassed by Clemson. And, and a little bit of misleading final going back to that game. North Carolina led it into the fourth quarter, 28-27, lost by 12. Against Louisville. Against Louisville. So I didn't do anything with the power running in that particular game for North Carolina. All right, Ken, so we've got a lean. What do you got? Well, I'm going to lean also with North Carolina. I really like the way this team plays when Surratt is at the quarterback position. Uh, he found some help uh, receiving-wise. Austin Prohl was the one veteran that was back because they lost uh, three or four really solid receivers, uh, Switzer and the guys last year. But a couple guys stepped up, Cunningham and Tucker, last week in the route against Old Dominion. And that game was over by halftime. It was 39-7 at ODU. And I was very impressed with North Carolina, the way they came out. But they also found another solid running back in Jordan Brown. He helped out Carter. Carter's been solid the first couple games. So right now there's a diverse offense. The defense is good enough. The home crowd's going to get into it. 
Duke has played NC Central and a Baylor team that's way down. And also their win was against Northwestern uh, that looked like it was going to be something that, you know, they can hang their hat on. But this Northwestern team has not played like a lot of us thought they were going to at the beginning of the year because Thorson and Jackson have not been the same guys that we saw at the end of the year last year for the Wildcats. So I downgrade Duke a little bit. Yes, they're 3-0. and They're off all home wins. Now they're going to go across town, Chapel Hill. And I like the way and the competition that Carolina's played is significantly better. And Brad brought up a great point with Cal. Look at that game. Carolina led that game by 10 at half. They lost that game, a close game. Uh, second half, but they ended up losing that. But that Cal team looks a lot better now under Wilcox. So I think North Carolina wins this game and wins it probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 to 12 points. All right, so so we have a double like, double like on North Carolina, and that's the sharp game also. Now the double – wait, wait, check that, check that. That was a double lean, lean only. Now, now the double like, and it's on Mississippi State, Georgia, Georgia at home. Favored by five. By the way, third biggest bet game as of Tuesday. Brad, who do you like? I like Georgia in this one, minus the points. And the reason being, I like it's a situational play for me. Georgia had their game last week where they could have went through the motions. After the big win against Notre Dame, they played Sanford. Did what they had to do, 142-14. On the flip side, Mississippi State's off one of their biggest wins of the last couple of seasons back to when Dak Prescott was their quarterback. They hammer LSU 37-7. Stunning to me, I upgraded them 3-4 points in the power rings, but it still doesn't get them to consider why they're not at least a touchdown underdog here. I think Georgia's defense is better than LSU's. They're going on the road uh, in very hostile environment, obviously. I don't know if that's necessarily being priced accordingly because Georgia's one of the top 10 home field advantages, especially with it being at night. I think Georgia's got some juice going this year, being already 3-0. and So give me the Bulldogs. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs uh, as a like for me, minus the points. All right. That's one piece of the double like Ken. Yeah. And here's the thing. Sony Michelle didn't even play last week against Sanford. And that game was 42 seven after the third quarter. So a lot of third stringers were in there for Georgia in that fourth quarter when they got outscored seven, nothing again, game was already over and they were already looking forward to that next game in between the hedges against Mississippi state. I'm sure it was an eye opener when they saw Mullins team up big there uh, in Starkville and again, that's a, I, I will tell you this. I was shocked, not that Mississippi State won, but that they won and they controlled that game and they kept expanding on the lead and really shut down LSU. That game was 7-7. And when a game 7-7 and ends up 37-7, that's complete domination by one side. And again, there's got to be some type of letdown because LSU owns Mississippi State over the last 20 years. So for Mississippi State to pound them like that, and then try to get ready to go in between the hedges to a Georgia team that now has some games under the backup quarterback Fromm's belt. And he was very efficient last week. No picks, only threw the ball 15 times, but three touchdown passes. And when you have Chubb, you have Michelle, and you've got that defense with 10 starters back and a lot of veteran leadership, Georgia's going to shut down. They're going to get in Fitzgerald's face and force him to do things because they're quicker around the edge than LSU is. LSU's good at stuffing uh, big bodies in the middle there, tackle-wise, but getting around the edge and pressuring Fitzgerald, something they could not do, Georgia has the capability to do that. Yeah, and I also want to mention uh, at pregame.com, Steve Fezzik and myself are going to doing a video on this game, and I like also the total on this game, so make sure you're checking that out. Ooh, a little tease. All right, speaking of that, we gave you guys a coupon code, best bets in a moment, last week, and I was shocked at the numbers that used it. I guess 
listening to these guys thinking, oh, can I get their very best picks at a big discount was appealing. So we're going to do the same exact thing again. We won't every week, but use the coupon code CFB. So that's for college football. CFB dream 10, one in a zero. So CFB dream 10, that coupon code, $10 off any college football pick. You can pick Ken, you can pick Brad, or you could pick someone else if you wanted to. That expires on Saturday, 10 bucks off. And all you do is make your pick or, or select the picks you want. And in the shopping cart, you put in that coupon code CFB Dream 10. Okay, best bet time. We're going to start with Ken Thompson. All right, and I've got to uh, go back. And- well, actually, we're going to, as he yeah. gets his papers ready, we're going to start with Brad Powers. And I'm glad that you brought this up earlier, RJ, and the fact that this is a team that I did lose with last week, but I felt that I had a right side loser on Tulane, gave them out on the Fox National Show, plus 35 against Oklahoma. They were covering almost the entire game. In fact, it was a 14-14 ball game, middle of the second quarter. They're driving to score to lead as a five-touchdown favorite. Pick six, changed the entire momentum of the game. And then also late, Oklahoma gets a long touchdown pass, you know, wrapping it all up. I had the right side for 57 minutes of the game. Should have been much closer to the final. Here's where I think there's some value this week, and they're minus two at home against Army. They've already prepped against the option just two weeks ago and shut down Navy's option attack. You look at the last in the last couple of years, they played the option five times, and they've held each of those option opponents, Navy and Army, to under four yards per carry each game. So a team that's used to facing the option in practice because Tulane runs a version of it has had great success facing the Navy and the Armies. And I also think we get a free roll. Their quarterback was out last week. He's questionable this week. Sounds like he might play. I don't think the line's taking that in consideration. Give me the better team at home laying under a field goal. Tulane minus the points is the pick. And I'll just piggyback on that, that Banks, yeah, he missed. Brantley played, but also Khalil McLean played as well. So the two backups both got a lot of action in the game against Oklahoma. Now that's a professional presentation. Gave us the pick at the end. Oh, that was strong. Now, um, I will say this in a conceptual sense. The option is unlike any other offense. Your experience playing it, and we've seen times, we were talking about one last year, Brad, where a team pretty much just gave up. It was like they get, they pretty much forfeited the game because they couldn't get ready for the option, and they were so unfamiliar with it. So history against the option, applicable history, very important handicap. I like the sound of that. All right, Ken Thompson, your best bet. Yeah, Lamar Jordan is out for New Mexico in this game, and they're going to travel to Tulsa. And it's not the same Tulsa team that we've seen years past. Will they score points? You're darn right. 54-51, they lose that tough game to Toledo last week. But this is a team led by first-year quarterback Chad President that runs the ball, and they're going to run it down your throat. And D'Angelo Brewer, very solid. And they've got another running back that stepped up. Now, they had three running backs over 140 yards, uh, or three players. President was one of them. Over 140 yards rushing against Toledo. President only threw for 125 yards. But still, this is a team that's going to run the ball. So the clock's going to keep moving because what does New Mexico do? They run the ball. They had to bring Gerhardt in. Now, Gerhardt's a senior transfer from Arizona State. He'd rather throw the ball. That's what he did at ASU. So he's not really equipped to run the offense the way Lamar Jordan did. He threw for 67 yards last week in a mop-up role for New Mexico. But I just don't think this New Mexico team has the weapons without Lamar Jordan on the field to be able to hang with Tulsa, go up and down the field. I think Tulsa's going to blow them out. I, In fact, I think Tulsa wins this game in excess of 24 points, so more than double the spread. And uh, again, I respect Bob Davey, but he's under some hot water there in Albuquerque, and 
you know, by halftime, I think this game, you're going to already be covering the spread, and then it's just going to be expanding because Gerhardt will not be able to run that offense the way the Lobos need it to be run. Good stuff, Tulsa, best bet. Any thoughts on that, Brad? Uh, yeah, I would lean with Tulsa. I had Tulsa last week. Uh, they're a y- relatively young team that started, that I've seen vast improvements with each week and that's gone on so far this season. Wow, over an hour. That's free. Can you believe it's free? Here's what we'll ask of you. On iTunes or Apple Pods or wherever you're using your pods, give us a thumbs up or a five-star rating, whatever the platform does. It helps. The more people we can reach, the more time and energy we can put in these podcasts. Ken Thompson on Twitter, Sports X Radio is the name, at Sports, the letter X, Radio, and he's got a show here in Las Vegas five days a week on KDON, 50,000 watts at night. Ken Ta- or uh, check that, Brad Powers, tons of free content on his Twitter, at Brad Powers 7 but also exclusively at pregame.com. A lot of good stuff. And I'm RJ Bell, at RJ in Vegas. And remember, guys, Every Wednesday, college football comes out, crack of dawn, this podcast. Every Thursday, NFL with me, the bookmaker, Matty Holt, and Steve Fezzik. That's NFL every Thursday. Talk to you there. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit PodcastOne.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Want to know why Attack Each Day was on top of the iTunes charts in its first week? What the hell's going on around here? I ripped my headphones off, spun around, and flinged them. I turn around, and my dad is like three inches from my face. And he says, go get them. Gentlemen, we're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Hear Jim Harbaugh, Jack Harbaugh, and JT Rogan share their stories every Tuesday on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast, on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, and PodcastOne.com. Hi, I'm Tavis Smiley. You may know me from my PBS talk show. I'm excited to tell you that I have a brand new podcast that you can hear on podcastone.com. I'll discuss the latest in politics, sports, music, and much more with big thinkers, artists, and celebrities. I'll also share my own opinions and answer some of your questions. So join the conversation on the Tavis Smiley podcast coming to podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts.